Our U.S. military and military veterans are our country's greatest assets. But service comes with a price. Post-traumatic stress is our enemy, and our mission today is Operation Healing Heroes. Hey everyone, I'm Jay Garstecki. Welcome to another edition of the Operation Healing Heroes podcast, where we document the lives of our U.S. military veterans one story at a time. In addition, we provide the resources for veterans that are struggling with post-traumatic stress so they can get the help that they deserve. Be sure to check out Operation Healing Heroes TV show on Discovery Channel, Waypoint TV, Wired to Fish TV, Amazon Prime, and YouTube. Today we're going to be featuring Jerry Haffey Jr., a United States Army veteran who's dedicated his life to helping healing our heroes that are battling post-traumatic stress. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Great Clips, the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Great Clips, it's gonna be great. And by Sure Microphones, the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.sure.com. Hey, Jerry, how are you? Welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking your time. I'm doing great, Jay. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a, my honor. Believe me, I I certainly <laughs> uh, got to read all of the things that you've accomplished, and I, I certainly appreciate everything that you've done for our freedom and for de- defending our country. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to oh, do a, just a quick introduction um, with some of the information sure. that I have. Um, <clears throat> I know that you were in the Army from 2004 to 2007. Uh, you spent a year in Iraq where you completed over 150 joint patrols and over 35 raids on enemy insurgents. Um, not only that, after you've gotten out of the military, you started a nonprofit called Fort Freedom in 2019 that helps veterans struggle with post-traumatic stress. And uh, while I'm super excited to get into that information about uh, Fort Freedom and hear all about it, um, I was hoping that we might be able to start with just uh, you telling us about uh, life growing up and what was uh, what was your background like? Yeah, sure. And thank you for that. And, and thank you for what you do, um, sharing the message and, and bringing awareness. And, and this type of advocacy work is, is crucial. And I'm sure we can, we can chit-chat throughout this uh, podcast today. But uh, I grew up in, um, in probably the most Irish neighborhood in Philadelphia. Um, nice little row home, uh, northeast Philly. I'm what uh, Philadelphians call Mayfair boy. I grew up in the neighborhood called Mayfair. And, uh, you know, it was it was an interesting um, time because the world in that time for me was was starting to change. Um, The the city, the neighborhoods, things were changing. The melting pot of America was was changing neighborhoods. And so that that very Irish kind of almost all Irish neighborhood I grew up in was was changing and growing and becoming the America that, um, you know, gave all sorts of folks the opportunity to succeed. And, and, uh, and, you know, with change, I like change. I've grown to accept change. Um, you know, you get some resistance, but I think it's one of the most beautiful things in the world because it sets, it sets the example for, uh, sets an example for freedom yeah. and opportunity. And that's what this country is about. So kind of, you know, maybe in a, uh, an Irish young kid, American, you know, my grandparents came over, like all that stuff. So it's just, it was, 
it was a it was a, it was a learning curve and it was interesting to get that at, at, at my youth it was pretty cool did you have any siblings or uh brother and sister yeah so i have i have a, um I have an older brother and younger sister okay and uh and um you know we'll, we'll probably get into some of this my older brother was was a huge piece of how i ended up getting into the army years later um but good parents really great parents uh mother and father uh god bless us still alive today doing well um i i had a, a, a fun upbringing um i had you know i played played some sports and um got along pretty well and it was it was really nice i went through some some interesting things in my childhood which which i had to end up working through in correlation with some of the the, the trauma I, I i experienced in the military but um you know two two big things in my childhood that i remember that happened to me um, when i was 13 my uh one of my best friends unfortunately drowned to death hmm. and it was terrible and i was very young and i was in that weird teenage uh-huh. years where you're like you, you don't know yourself you kind of know some things but you really don't know anything yep. and uh and that was a that was an interesting time i remember my dad coming sit in bedside with me woke me up in the morning and i i, I just still can put myself in that exact moment right now and he said, you know, I, he, I could tell he couldn't even say it. Like, and he just said, you know, I'm so sorry, Jerry, your your friend Brian unfortunately passed. And I said, and I I literally laughed. Hmm. Um, and, and I and not in a bad, like a demonic way. I was just, sure. uh, I did not know, like complete shock. And I was like, so I actually went back to bed. I just laid back down. I went to sleep and I woke up like no less than an hour later. And I knew in my gut and my soul, like, oh my gosh, like something happened. And my dad was just still right there. And we just hugged and cried. And it was, it was odd. And so, you know, I went through this, this tough kind of traumatic thing at an early age. And then the second kind of, you know, big thing that happened in my life was, not a, about a year later than that, so I'm about 14 years old now. Uh, we move, and <laughs> uh, you want to talk about an early teenage trauma? Oh yeah, is, uh, <laughs> is uh, you know taking me away from my friends, taking me away from my environment that yeah. I established. My you know that kind of your first like kind of independent life you start to create at that age, and uh, and so I had some some trouble transitioning and. Uh, but then fortunately, you know, God, the universe, the world, it, it delivered good to me. And I, I met new folks and <clears throat> I went to school and I had a very good, um, you know, middle school and high school experience. And my parents were, were very good. And my older brother was there for me, my sister, my younger sister, I was there for her. She was there for me. So, you know, when, it, when I reflect on childhood, and I take away certain things. And there was a, a boatload of good experiences and tough times and, and the thing we call life, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, those those moments, I think, those two specific moments at that age really helped me years and years later when I was dealing with some of the things we'll get into post-military and things like that. So I, I, as I did the work 
and needed to find myself as an adult, <clears throat> I had to go back to and visit those those tougher times in my life and really have a healthy understanding and release of them. And uh, so this that's where I'm from and a couple of quick things about what I what yeah. I went through in my youth. Oh, it's perfect. Thanks for painting that picture for us. Cause I mean, it's, it's important. Um, you know, many of the veterans that I get the, um, the ability to interview all talk about a lot of the things that happened in childhood and let's face it. I mean, I guess, I don't know what the, the current stat is, but you know, over 50% I know of, of marriages end in either divorce or something. And so therefore a lot of these individuals come from hope, broken homes and that type of thing to hear that, you know, you, you came from a great home is, is huge. I mean, that's, it's really good, but, right. but nonetheless, there's still trauma, right? I mean, we all have trauma in our lives and how we deal with it, especially at 13 years old. I mean, and that's not a little trauma. That's not something, you know, this is your best friend. And, and to hear that you just lost right. that individual, I mean, uh, at 13, I know I couldn't process it. My mom passed away when I was nine years old. And um, oh, it was one of those yeah. things where, you know, you, you don't know how to process it. I don't think our brains are fully developed yet, it seems like. You know what I mean? Right, right, I right. certainly don't have those life experiences as an adult that we have now. But, um, right. yeah, I mean, so. Like, yeah, like the, the process of the understanding of the process of mourning and the time and the days and, you know, you go through anger first and you go yeah. through, you know, you know, questioning and why and why God and this and that, and you go through like this skeptical negative phase. And then you really go through the actual mourning phase where you really cry and you really accept. And, you know, <laughs> we're not even close to thinking about that at the age of you, for you, you know, Jay, nine, yeah. for me, 13, like yeah. we're, we're not there yet. Um, so it, it, it was, you know, it was terrifying. Yeah. And, um, and the longevity, so, the, the finalization, I don't think uh, I really understood it at that point. Right. I mean, uh, it's forever. And and that right, was one of the things right. that, you know, I mean, as odd as it may sound, you, you're maybe your mind or your brain keeps playing tricks on you thinking that, okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be better. And, and like you said, you went back to sleep. <sighs> And you were hoping that it was a dream and you were going to wake up and then it was going to be, you know what I mean? That that is going to tell you that it wasn't real. And unfortunately that wasn't the right. case. And so. Right. And it's weird. Like, you know, to, to even furthermore, what, what we don't understand at that age and, 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 and this will be helpful for me to go through this exercise. I've got two little boys now and, and, you know, the troubles and the things that are going to go on in their life. But as I reflect, you know, I remember, you know, be at his funeral and going to the casket and thinking he he's going to wake up mm -hmm. like, and that's that's not like I I like that was just natural. You just naturally thought because to your point, Jay, like you, the, this forever. Like no, it's this is not. And so you start to you know feel the grips of reality, and to have it happen at that that young of an age, um, I believe is an opportunity to make you stronger, mm -hmm. but you have to first learn the tools, the techniques and seek that understanding of, of life at a, at an earlier age. So that's a lot. So it was a lot to, to take in and take on uh, for you and I, and both of our stories and for many folks who go through it. Yep. And then I, I can certainly relate to you moving. Um, my, my family moved me from the, the South side of Chicago to the North side of, of Chicago suburbs when I was uh, a yeah. freshman in high school. And like you said, man, you want to talk about a, 
a devastating loss of your family, Oof. your friends. I mean, it's one of those things where, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, these are the kids you grew up with. You went to elementary school with them. Um, in my case, I went to middle school with them. And I was just coming into being who I really was as an individual. And then to, and then to have that uh, you know, taken from you. And, and again, I'm not saying it was a bad thing. We, we did it for, for the right purposes as far as my dad's career goes and things like that for work. But it's still, as a child, it's hard to process. And, and those friends that you've made, those lifelong friends, and then you, you walk into your first day of high school not knowing a single po- person. And and it was tough. But you know what? Um, like they say, what, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And I can look back now and actually say that, you know what, I had the I had the pleasure of being able to know two completely different groups of kids, right? My my, my kids that I, I had growing up and then my high school friends. And, and then, of course, you know, life after after our, our, our school or college or whatever. But uh, right. Like you said, turn it into a positive, you know, turn it into a positive. You know? Yeah. So you'll learn as we talk more that I, my my focus and perceptive of this world is that this is the learning world. We are here to learn and to learn consistently and and until until the day we we pass we are we are challenged constantly to learn and uh so We'll keep, we'll keep talking about this yeah, thing. Absolutely. So give me an idea of, um, you know, I, I got a good picture of life growing up. Um, what led you into the military? Um, did you come from a military background, uh, family members and that type of thing? Yeah. Uh, grandfather, uh, Korean War. Um, and older brother uh, was in the military. Uh, he's an infantry guy. Uh, very great. He's a good soldier, man. Good soldier. And how many um, years are between you great, and your brother? A great brother. Uh, we are seven years apart. Okay. So there's a little bit of a size there. So as he was in the military for multiple years, I was through high school and then finishing up high school. And I I do not like education from like <laughs> the school. I don't like, I did not like high school. I was like a C student, just getting through it I, I you know I, I I did I had very low ambition to go to college and this and that I was the classic person or kid who put me in something let me get my hands on it let me experience it and I'm gonna do so much better and the thought of having me go into classrooms and continuing that and I, I just, it was not going to be for me but societal pressure delivers a beautiful thing and sends me to community college right out of high school <laughs> and I, I laugh about it now but I, I went for one semester I actually did all right because I took some courses and things that I was I was I liked and then I took some of the you know the, the necessary uh, you know curriculum that they, they, they you have to take. So I go for one semester and I just, I was doing well, the grades were good. And I was like, this isn't for me. Like there was something Jay overwhelming in my gut that was like, this is not where you're supposed to be. Hmm. And I I was still very young. I was like 18 years old. You know, I still didn't know my left from my right is Uh what I say. Um, And, and like, it just wasn't for me, but I ruled it out and I was glad that I did. And then I took on a job as a manual laborer, just working for a gentleman I knew had his own general contractor company. And I was like, you know what, I'll just try this out for a little while, make some money, figure out what's going on. And so I'm, I'm doing these things. I'm, I'm living outside of 
Philadelphia and in, in, in Pennsylvania there. And I'm kind of kind of doing this for about a year. And all the while I'm having conversations every other week, every week, and the calls are increasing and increasing, and they're to my brother. And I am doing significant due diligence on the military. Hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, look, if I'm if I'm not going to go to college and I'm not going to, you know, work in a union or work at a uh, for a general contractor or something in that that mm-hmm. space. And I and I'm not really into going and getting a trade. The military is looking pretty good right yeah. now. Good option. So good option, right? So and uh, listen, I was young and I needed the the basics that the military were going to provide discipline you know, growing up, going out on my own, trying something like really independent, like all those things you sort of crave at that age mm-hmm. um, were coming in as contributing factors as well. So I ended up calling my brother and having these like hour-long conversations with him all the time. And God bless him. He took them all and answered everything and told me the hard truths and told me the this and the that and this and that. And so <laughs> he was in the uh, infantry. So I decided and and my younger brother, I'm going to poke at my older brother. I joined uh, Army Recon, which is a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of a, uh, a rivalry in, in the military. It's funny, especially in the Army. Right. So I go into and sign up. I'm like, all right, I'll become a 19 Delta Cav Scout. I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna mess with him. It's a funny story. When we used to come home for leave, our leave times wouldn't wouldn't always be over the same period. Uh-huh. So when I would come over leave. My mom would have a magnet for Army Recon, and then she would have a magnet for Army Infantry. <laughs> and you knew you knew what brother came home last because we would put ours on top. That's funny. And so we had this rotating magnet thing on the fridge, and my mom would always put them next to each other because she didn't want to favor anybody. Right. But my brother or I would go <laughs> one above <laughs> the other one. So you know, we had we had fun with it, and 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 um, you know it. it Unfortunately, I, I never met my grandfather. He passed a very young age, and um, I was probably, I think, maybe one and a half years old, two years old. Um, and I, I actually didn't meet him, didn't get to, uh, ended up having a, a nervous disorder, and it caused some neurological issues, and it ended up taking his life. Mm. And uh, so I didn't get to speak to him or understand what he did or where, where he served or what his wartime was like. So I depended heavily on my brother who was who was in the military, in infantry, had been in the military for about four years at that point already. And so um, got a lot of good info. And, and that's what ultimately got me there. Hmm. Um, you know, my, my parents were supportive. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, what are, wanted, wanted, were your parents when you came home and said, you know, that obviously they had already sent one son into the, ar- you know, into the army. What what was it like when you came home and said, hey, mom and dad, I'm, I'm going in also? Yeah, I think I think it was. It's. I I think my father was a little more hesitant than my mother presented, and I'd have to go and ask them this question. Yeah. But he 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 took me to meet with certain folks who had children or nieces or nephews like within the military and I would meet with them and they would tell me exactly what was going on. And some of them were uh, already overseas uh, in Iraq or Afghanistan. 
And so I was getting like live feedback of like, if you go and I had one, one of my father's cousins, you know, she said to me, like my, you know, my son is over here is where he's at this, that. And uh, she basically said like, if you go to be a cavalry scout, a 19 belt to do army recon, like, this is where you're going to go. This is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in it. Like, you're going to be in the war. You're not going to be, like, on the sideline. You're right. not going to be over here. You're you're going to be in, in the war. Like, you're going to be on the front line in the war. And this is this is going to happen. And was she right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but it didn't. But it, it's interesting. It didn't stop me. Mm-hmm. And it's not. I didn't have, like, this rah-rah ego. I didn't have this crazy thing. I just had a sense of American pride, frustration and concern about, you know, 9-11, a trauma we all went through. Mm-hmm. And I just felt in my gut that was the plan. That was the next thing. It was what was in front of me and what I needed to do. And so I couldn't really explain why at the end of the day, net, net, that I chose army recon and went in but the universe and god put that path in play and at that moment i couldn't tell you but in today i can tell you exactly why and so it'll lead to fort freedom and the work we're doing at the nonprofit, and and it answered so many of the whys for me cool that's a that's a cool story and and not uh, you know i just curious regarding your brother you had talked about 911 um was he in the military already when 911 happened or was yeah so yeah he was already in he was already in okay so he was yeah he was already in and i was the and he d- had he done any deployments idiot whatever one <laughs> like, had he done so any it's deployments interesting my brother my brother that? was never deployed no okay my brother was never deployed well hold on was never deployed to one of the large uh campaigns iraq afghanistan okay uh, he did small stuff in uh in japan he did some small stuff uh here and there like hodgepodge stuff mm-hmm. uh, but he did not do the full tour he was scheduled to trained and ready to go and fractured both of his heels in a training exercise oh, wow. like four weeks before they were deploying and they they medically would not allow him to go even after he healed wow so he was very frustrated, but I, you know, I always say this to him and, and, and I believe this, somebody was looking out for you, man. Like yeah. the path was designed and picked for some sort of reason that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And, and for him being, he was, uh, I'd rather was an amazing soldier and a very good infantry leader. And it, what hurt him the most was he did not want to not be there for his guys, mm-hmm. his brothers. He, he just, it, 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 I know that it bothered him so much and, and it even bothered me for him. Mm-hmm. And because you see all the work and the dedication and, 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 and the, the honor he had in everything he did in the, in the military I, look, I'll tell you the truth. My brother was a way better soldier than I was. Like <laughs> he just, he was like a rock star. And so it was always interesting why, why he wasn't. And I, I know that the unit was sent to a specific area at a time that was that was tough. Um, so I just always, I go back to a gratitude place and like very grateful about like, look, 
for some reason you weren't supposed to go and mm-hmm. uh, and that is we gotta accept that and he has he over his years as he grew in all these things and worked on himself and and, and his life um he's got himself so healthy and so happy and 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 all these things got a beautiful family uh, provided me uncle jerry status to, to three nieces and nephews awesome. and um yeah super cool and he actually uh is the day-to-day operations and director over at fort freedom oh, so very cool. together as brothers and as veterans we're we're, we're providing and we're, we're helping as, as best we can so awesome. so that's my older brother yeah. very cool well again thanks for sharing that um i'm gonna basically take a, a little bit of a break here and when we come back if you don't mind uh jerry will you kind of share what your life was like in the military and uh just give us some some idea of what what it was like to what what it was like to spend uh from 2004 and 2007 in the military uh we'll be right back sure Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Great Clips, the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Great Clips, it's gonna be great. And by Sure Microphones, the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.sure.com. And we're back uh, with uh, Jerry. Hey, Jerry, thanks for sharing uh, what life was like growing up. Um, pretty amazing details, and I certainly appreciate every, you, you sharing your, your life story with us. But let's talk a little bit about you and the military and, and what that was like. Um, do you remember leaving for boot camp? And uh, just give us a background of what it was like. How could I forget? Come on. <laughs> One of the most terrifying things I've still ever done in my life. <laughs> like, you know, being that age, that 18 almost 19 and um, I, I, traveling, just traveling to the base, you know, the, the military provides you with where you got to be, when you got to be there is pretty clear. It's like, here you go, this, that, this, that. But then when you're, you're in it and you're traveling, you're, you're going to this unknown thing you've only heard about, you haven't experienced yet. And it's terrifying. Sure. You're, you're, you know, it is, but it was one of the coolest things I ever did because if you ever listen to anybody or, or your own self, right, whenever you're afraid of something, but then you do it, you feel this amazingness, like come through, you're like, whoa, like a, it's almost like an adrenaline rush for a second. You're like, wow, I did that. Like I was so afraid and I did it. And that's what going to boot camp is like, except it takes you like <laughs> two or three or six or eight weeks <laughs> until yeah. you're like, you stop saying in your head, why did I do this? <laughs> you know, and, and I laugh about it. I laugh because I, I, I remember talking to the guys that I served with and we all would look at each other at moments in time when, when those drill sergeants were kicking our butt and, you know, they would say, you know, this, that, this, and we would just look at each other and be like, why, why did I do this? Well, like, you know, and that's yeah. called the suck, right? It's called, it's it's called be, the suck. In right. the but it's gotta be such a but huge sense of accomplishment when you're done, right? Oh, the the gift you get, you just hit it right on the head. And that's like, I want to make clear, I am not knocking the military or boot camp at all. I love it. And and if you go and you do it, your sense of accomplishment goes through the roof and you, you're a new person. Like, you know, if you're the, if you're that struggling, 
lack confidence, not sure what to do with your life. Similar to like what I was, I was brought up. And when I, when I was 18, 19, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. So to be able to do that and, and, and take that step, walk through that, that fear and that unknown, mm-hmm. it gives you such a great sense of satisfaction. It's awesome. And you feel amazing. And you wear that uniform of pride and you stand there. You're like, I did this. Like, cool. And not a lot of people are going to do this, but I did. And that you'll never take away from any veteran ever. That's awesome. I love hearing that. I mean, that's, that's the sense of accomplishment that every veteran should feel. I mean, because that's when you sign on the dotted line, man, you're willing to give up everything, including your life for our freedom. And so it's important that, uh, that everyone understands that. So, um, you all go to the exact same rank, right? And, and it's, uh, it doesn't matter what branch of the service you're in. You're all going in to basically defend our honor and our freedom. And man, I I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I'm so honored to be able to spend my life, uh, honoring you men and women who, who provided that freedom for me. So I can't say thank you enough. So cool, man. Yeah. And thank you for it. It's, it's awesome. And I, I thank you for saying that. Yeah. It's just, but no, it's just, no. it's my it's, honor, man. It cool. really so, is. Yeah. Um, so give me an idea of, you know, I know, I know you were deployed. Uh, you went to Iraq and uh, give me an yeah. idea of leading up to that and, and what that was like. Yeah. So 16 weeks, uh, boot camp and job training all in one. So army recon training specifically is done at Fort Knox, Kentucky. And, you know, I get down there and, uh, you know, it's, it's one unit station training. And so that basically just means I'm going to get the crap kicked out of me (laughs) and built into this man soldier by the same two or three drill sergeants for not eight weeks, but 16. And, um, and it was, it was awesome. It was, it was amazing. It was challenging. It was, it was, it was very, very cool. And I'll tell you a quick story. So that I'm from, I've been from Philadelphia. Uh, I have not, you know, I hadn't been to Kentucky ever in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's the first time I'm in Kentucky and uh, it's like the second day I'm there and I'm in the chow line and I'm going up to the line and they have civilian workers who like you hand out the food, this and that thing it's a contract or whatever's going on. So I look at this this um, this lady and she's she's very southern accent. She says, "All right, child, what, what do you want?" And I was like, "I don't know what that is." <laughs> I point down the food in front of her, and and she looks at me. And first off, I'm terrified. There's 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 uh, the second day of of getting you know <laughs> getting screamed at and you're you're getting broken in and and then I come up to the food and I like I don't know what this is. <laughs> and she says, "Child, come on, that that is that's a grits." I said, what is grit? Like, what are grits? What is grits? What are grits? What are we doing? And so um, she puts them, she puts them in a little bowl and she has just try them out. You'll love them. I said, okay. So I go, I sit down and I eat them. They're awful. I'm like, this is terrible. So the next day I come back in and I say to her, I don't, I don't like these. Like, she's like, well, did you put any butter on them? Any syrup, any, any cheese? I said, no, you didn't tell me that. So we'll try a couple of different things. So now I'm like putting butter in there, putting syrup in there. Now there's a bunch of sugar and butter yeah. in there. And I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, anything's good with <laughs> but sugar I just, and you know, butter. Right, right, right. So look, I digress a little bit, but I, I just, I always remember that story because it was the beginning of what the military will give you, uh-huh. which is culture, yeah, culture and experience. And it, and it, and it does. It, the guys that I met in boot camp, the guys that I served with in, in, in Iraq and in the army, there's nothing you can take away from me. I met guys from every crevice of the country, cool. every neighborhood, every background. Some had money, some had no money, 
didn't matter if you were black, white, Latin, Asian. It didn't matter. Native American. It didn't matter. And that is one of the most beautiful things that I took away from my military experiences. That's very one of my cool. things I pride myself on is, you know, as, as we go through the controversial things in our country mm-hmm. over the last X amount of years and, 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 and race and all these other things, veterans, we don't have too much of this. In, mm-hmm. in my experience, if you truthfully serve with, with the men that I served with and, and went on these 150 missions and the 35 killer capture, you know, insurgent missions, like I don't, I don't care who you are. Right. And, and so like what I, what I would say the military truthfully gave me was an opportunity to know that the guys who, who were with me, none of that, none of the, 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 the other stuff mattered. It just mattered about their character and their brotherhood and their willingness to die for me and mine to die for them. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. That's... Like, so it, it, yeah, sorry, Jay. No, I'll just say that's that's awesome. Just, I love hearing that because, <clears throat> like I said, uh, the, the the brother to the left and the brother to the right of you, like you said, you didn't see color, you didn't see race, you didn't see religion, you didn't see anything. You Nothing. saw someone who was willing to, like you just said, die for you, and you were willing to die for them. And that's, I think that's got to be a bond that um, we can't get that here. And, and when I say here, I'm talking, you know, in our everyday lives. I mean, we all have our best friends, we all have our family, we have people mm-hmm. that we love and that we go to the ends of the earth for, right? Our kids. And but that mm-hmm. being said, um, being transplanted into another country with a stranger essentially right right next to you and then mm-hmm. having that type of uh of i don't even know what to call it but the, the trust that you have in that individual mm-hmm. has got to be amazing and and it's got to be i, I got to believe it's a friendship that you probably you know last forever oh sure forever look i could I, <laughs> if i haven't talked to some of the guys in x amount of years it doesn't matter yeah i could call them in a moment and, and pick up done. where you left off, right? Yep. Exactly. Like, hey, how can I help? Mm-hmm. What can I do? And we'll get into why that doesn't happen more mm-hmm. when we talk about, I think, you know, some of my struggles and, and then some of some of Fort Freedom. But coming back to your top line question, military life for me, like I I loved that. I loved the the camaraderie, the the brotherhood, the sense of purpose whenever you go home you get this you know everybody's proud of you Mm -hmm. your mom your dad your cousins your friends anybody they introduce you to you 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 have this constant bucket within you this this like kind of pillar within you that just keeps it's overfilled with 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 pride like you're and and society and your network and your friends and your family are thanking you and, and and they recognize you for it and it's beautiful. It feels amazing. Yep. Now, what happens when you take the uniform off and the failure to transition? We'll cover in a little bit mm-hmm. and why why that happens. But while I was in the military, oh my gosh, I'm getting culture. I'm getting friendship. I'm getting experience. I'm I'm uh, I have a sense of purpose because I, I'm defending freedom. I mean, come on, it's fantastic. And so, from that aspect, I'm oh, those are things that I can take with me forever. Awesome. And, and, and they, they translate into my life. And so it was just very, you know, very blessed to identify it as that. Um, was I the best soldier ever? No, no, I wasn't. I, 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 I struggle with, you know, being constantly regimented into, you know, 
the the approach that the military has to take. I respect it, no mm-hmm. problem, respect it. But for me, I'm I'm a bit of more of a. As I got older, I I identify that I'm I like creative and flow and and and, and that's more of me. And, mm-hmm. and and in the military, you don't get as much of that because you need to learn how to be regimented and disciplined. Because I don't care how creative or not you are, if you don't have discipline, you ain't going anywhere. Yeah. You ain't going anywhere. So after I got that foundation, and that's why I did, ended up not re-enlisting. You know, I look, I <clears throat> I look back at my military career being short three years. Go to not go to Fort Knox, and then I did six months of training. It's actually a fun story right here. So we I was in the first unit of action to ever go overseas for any military branch. And what that meant was the the U.S. Army needed to find a more creative way to handle uh, Iraq and Afghanistan because they were they're, they're, they were tough places to to occupy and stay. So what they did was for six months after uh, basic training and job training for me, I got sent up to the 10th Mountain Division in Fort Drum, and <clears throat> I ended up being cross trained with infantry. Which, by the way, is funny going back to my mom and the magnets with my brother about the, the, the you know, the infantry over the, mm-hmm. over the uh, Army recon. So now I'm with the infantry guys. We're training them on reconnaissance, call for fire, surveilling targets, things like that. They're training us on knocking the door down, clearing the building. And we're cross-training for six months. And we went over as the first unit of action as a hybrid unit recon infantry. Hmm. And that was a, a really cool experience. Um, and so what they did was they trained a couple thousand of us up at Fort Drum, and then they deployed us through different pockets of Afghanistan and Iraq. And I was sent to North Central Baghdad over in Iraq from 2005 June to 2006 June for one year. And that was, it was a, it was a, interesting concept because they they knew they had this hybrid unit so they could flex us into all different things mm-hmm. so we did a lot of a lot of missions with this the special forces guys we did one mission with the seals we did a handful of missions uh with some of the british uh sf guys we did a um we had you know turkish uh troops attached to us for a little while and then the iraq army was was attached to us at different times and so it was this constantly evolving unit and we we were good man like we got our we got our butts kicked every once in a while but for the most part we were solid and it was cool to go over as a unit like that it was i was very thankful later in my life about that because I, all i got was like 6 months of more in-depth training before mm-hmm. I had to go. I was very thankful for that. Yeah, that's cool. And being able to serve alongside some of these other um, armies and, you know, from different countries and things too, is pretty interesting too. I've got to, I got to believe that that was pretty educational for you also. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's just cool to meet other folks in the world who carry a similar like-mindedness to freedom and to, you know, you know, ruling out evil and tyrants. And, and, mm-hmm. and so like when you, when you get around folks like that, it, it just, it pumps you up even more. So, and then you kind of want to you know, show them what we could do and show them what you can do. And so it's fun. 
That's so cool. Bad. That's cool. So yeah. give me some of your me- your most memorable moments uh, from your deployment, whether it was good, bad, ugly. I don't need you to go into details on any ugly things. But that being said, you know, let's. Yeah. I-, I want people to understand that, uh, you know, the, f- the sacrifices that, that you men and women make are real for our freedom. And while we're here, um, you know, complaining about having to get up and go to work every day and all this other stuff, you know, <laughs> things are much different over right. there. And so I just want I want to I just kind of understand what it was that you uh you remember yeah. from those deployments sure and, and and i'll 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 say this i'm i'm comfortable with speaking on on anything within my experience because of all the work i i have put myself through to get to a, a healthy place and and the disciplines and the practices to stay in a healthy place as best i can and all the time but you know the the i think memorable moments from my deployment so <laughs> quite a few left into my head but i would say that there's this moment where um we were <laughs> we were uh surveilling surveilling a, a target in a, in a house and uh unfortunately one of our uh, one of our one of our guys in our platoon uh, was blown up the week before and was uh, was KIA. So we were we were frustrated um, and uh, we were on we were kind of on the hunt. We're like we're gonna we gotta figure out how this happened, what happened. So we worked a lot with S two intelligence and um, started surveilling a bunch of targets. And so <clears throat> I remember this day, and still to this day in my life um one of the most accomplished i've ever felt in my life and so we started out it was like a a, a normal day on patrol we were in a certain sector uh and we ended up uh finding out that this was the cousin of a a terrorist cell um and that terrorist cells the the cousin he was the the leader of this cell it was like a six-person cell uh and we got this guy and he just started singing to us and telling us who where where his brother was where who did this who did that he just we got lucky because at at that moment in time whatever was going on in this individual's life Mm -hmm. like we just casually pulled up pulling surveillance on this on this on this home to try to get information, he ended up being out front. And so we snapped a photo, sent it back over. And as two was like, no, that's so-and-so just grab him and talk to him. So we're like, great. So we grabbed him, talked to him and he must've thought he was in way more trouble and we didn't even know. And we got really lucky and he ended up spilling all sorts of stuff mm. and literally told us where the cell, all the cell members were, their houses and which one did which job in, in the unit. And so I was like, we were like, oh, we got all this info and we're all highly motivated, a little more than normal mm-hmm. because they just, they just got one of our guys. Right. Mm-hmm. So we end up spending the entire day and we went on raid after raid after raid and captured each member of the cell culminating with a 3 a.m. Oh, like almost 4 a.m. I would say. Um, we surrounded the compound of the of the 
Terracell leader. And we went in, we, we had to call another, uh, another platoon in because we needed more, more folks because he, he lived in a, in a bigger property a little bit outside of the area. And so we went, we did that, and we can't find the guy. We're looking all over the house, and it's, it's like the sun is just about to come up now. We've been searching this guy's house for like an hour, and the sun is just coming up. And my buddy, I'll never forget G, who serves with me, great dude, he literally says, yo, yo, I got, I got him. So G's funny. He's a, um, a Mexican-American from uh, like San Jose and just an awesome soldier. He's an awesome dude. And he's like, I, I, I got someone back here. I got someone back here. And the guy was hiding in the outhouse. Really? And yeah. And so uh, G shines a light and she's trying to climb up the side of it. And in, in all the like adrenaline of the whole entire day, and you're just like you're in complete adrenaline mode and you're capturing all these people and you're feeling victorious and you get to the last guy at g as i'm running up with my sergeant another guy to try to get the guy out of the outhouse g slides down the wall and <laughs> cracks his knee and we just stop and start laughing you you like even in the, the craziest of moments yeah you like fu- something like very funny happened. So we're just like, well, you idiot. Ah, laughing. <laughs> and then we're like, Oh God, we got to get this guy. We got to get this guy. Like, oh, you know, and, and so like for like five, six seconds, you're just like, you're like, Holy crap. What are you doing? Like yeah, <laughs> you right. laugh and you're like, are you all right? Like whatever. So then, you know, we end up capturing the guy. And, but I, I remember that story a, because it was such a successful day for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and for morale, and for a sense of accomplishment of, of, of capturing a network who, who was linked to, you know, killing one of our, one of our own, um, that was, was a really memorable day, just as memorable and as horrible as the day a week or so before mm-hmm. when we lost our friend. Yeah. So, you know, they got, they got really clever when I was there. They were building the roadside bombs. And if you remember the IEDs, mm-hmm. the improvised explosive devices. <clears throat> so I was I was there when they were they were starting to do two things. Um, they were starting to daisy chain them, so they would put like three or four of them next to each other, and then when you drive, they would it would kind of trigger. And we were trained to speed up through it, so they literally would just be like boom, 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 and eventually would disable the vehicle or end up killing one of you. And so they they got smart about that, but that's not how they actually got. Uh, one of our one of our guys is they started getting real crafty and putting so there were certain roads that were dirt and and things like that they would put them in the ground so when you pressure switch drive over them it blow up underneath the vehicle and underneath of the vehicle was the most vulnerable part of the vehicle because it had no armor on there mm-hmm. it couldn't put anything under there so that's how they ended up getting real smart and and starting to to really do some damage to our vehicles and to our to our um, to ourselves so it was a, it was an interesting time so as much as i remember the horrible day i still remember the victories and and it's just it's 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 pretty wild yeah it's not pretty often wild. that you get not only to capture the enemy but also get all that intel that they were willing to cough up because like you said he, right he, you know yeah we got I, we know we got lucky and and but hey Someone was looking out for us. That's right. Something was looking out, you know. That's right. And and uh, it was it was it was really it was really it was cool. 
Well, thanks, um, Frank. Thanks for sharing sure. that. That's that's. I mean, it gives us a really good in depth look of you know a day in the life, right? I mean, and and I'm sure there were yeah. many other days just like that for you, where you know every day <laughs> you're on patrol, you're on high vigilance, right? I mean, it's one of those things where right. You know, yeah. It's a it's it, and that's where the mental part comes in, you know, because I I would tell you war is boring, and then all of a sudden it's crazy, mm-hmm. and then it's. Oh, all this stuff. And then it's like, it's quiet again. Mm-hmm. And then there's days and weeks and then it's boom. It's, it's crazy again. So, but the mental wear of all that downtime, cause you, you just hit it, Jay is like, you have to be vigilant. You have to be on. And you know, the, you, you, we say the same things all the time. Complacency kills. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you gotta, because war is boring yep. and then it pops off and then it's boring and it pops off. And so it's, it's a very, it causes for later later problems with with post-traumatic stress and and the mental and and things that we the veterans and combat veterans struggle with um Mm -hmm. and that i struggle with yeah and we're we're going to talk in depth about that stuff uh here um in closing out your your military and i want if i hope you've covered everything you wanted to regarding your your time in service but that being said give me an idea as to when and why did you decide it was time to get out of the military so I had signed for three years. I danced around after my deployment, came back. I didn't have a lot of time left in the military on my initial um, contract. And I turned around and I said, I need to be, I need to be like freed up. I got to try other things. I tried and do some other things now. Um, and it for me individually it was that creative outlet that i wanted to explore so i was about 23 at this point and i just looked in the mirror and said um i I, the military is not allowing me as an individual for what like jerry just myself is looking for from going out and exploring and creating in, in another way now i got a lot of creative and exploring in my military time um but it was different for me i i started to want to see what the opportunity was like outside of and uh, so i went in and saw my my commanding officer so captain duchene unbelievable leader really great dude from brooklyn um I, I, I have nothing but amazing things to say about that man. But <clears throat> I went in and, and he kind of laughed. He kind of knew that I was I was very much more leaning towards the I'm leaving route. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, you know, he's doing his job and he's trying to get me to re-up. And so I walk into his office and, and salute him, greet him, and says hello. And and I'm standing there and at, at ease, you know, hands behind my back. And he says, yeah. "I'm happy." gonna give you a sign-on bonus of this much and we'll send you over to ranger school you're doing great like you you qualify easily it's all good and give you a couple months off you come back and if you want to take a shot at sniper school we'll send you to that as well so this is like the comp plan and 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 it was beautiful it was fair it was it was wonderful it just wasn't for me at that time Mm -hmm. and you know, if I look back on my military career, man, did I want to go to that ranger. I wanted that ranger tab. That oh. was, 
that was something I I look back on and and that's the one I would have wanted. I don't think I would have ever even went to sniper school. It's very, very difficult. Um, I commend anybody who completes that school. That's incredible. It, it wasn't for me, um, but it was it was a nice opportunity. And I just said, you know, sir, can I speak freely? He said, yeah, of course, go ahead, relax. And so I calmed down and sat down and talked with him and said, it's just not for me. And he said, I kind of knew that. And I said, all right, I, I appreciate that. And and I just leveled with him, you know, and I I even poked at some of the other things. I said, look, I, I, I think you guys should be paying me a little more. I think, you know, that what we just did and what we went through is, is, is a little bit more than that. But he was, he was funny. He laughed. And then, lo and behold, the military got a couple of raises in the last X amount of years since I've been out. I've been happy to see that, but Good. that was nothing to do with me and my little note. But, yeah. um, but it was, you know, it, it, those, those were the things I just kind of sat down and leveled off with them. I loved, I loved having him as a leader because you could do that with him. You could sit and have that conversation and get real down to earth with him. And um, yeah, he's, he's an amazing leader. So ultimately I ended up leaving and that, that it was, just my calling, Jay. Honestly, it was time for me to go. And uh, lo and behold, I fast forward to today and I find out what I'm what I'm really doing long term for for veterans and for for the military. And that's with Fort Freedom. Cool. Well, if you don't mind, we'll take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, what life was like transitioning out of the military back into civilian life. Uh, I know that for many soldiers, sure. it's very difficult. So I definitely want to hear your story and I want to talk more about mental health and that type of thing. So I'm just going to take a quick short break. And as soon as we get cool. back, we'll go ahead and uh, get started on that. Sounds great. This week's Veterans Resource Nonprofit of the Week is the Alan J. Lynch Medal of Honor Veterans Foundation. We partner with veteran-friendly organizations to provide assistance and relief to veterans of the United States Armed Forces and their immediate family members. Visit www.ajlynchfoundation.org for more information. Welcome back. Uh, we're talking to uh, Jerry, who is a Army veteran that served from 2004 to 2007. Uh, Jerry, again, thanks for sharing all that information about you and the military. It was amazing. And uh, I want to talk real quickly about uh, transitioning out of the military, because I know how important that is to many of the men and women who served our country and then come home only to struggle with uh whatever it is, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, you name it, but uh, really finding that sense of purpose. And so um, give me an idea. How, what, was, what was life like reintegrating into civilian life for you? Very difficult. <clears throat> Very difficult. I came home and um, so my, my parents – when I was overseas um, and I came home, I came home, went on leave just to see my family, this, that. I had not exited, uh, an ETS yet from the military. So I hadn't, I hadn't left the military yet. And I just went down for like a, a week just to see my family, spend time. This was just getting home from Iraq. So common, common time for leave. 
And so I, I go down to Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, see my mom. And uh, she tells me, your father and I have gotten divorced. It's okay. Hmm. Okay. We didn't want to tell you while you were in Iraq. And uh, so we wanted to wait until you got home and, and, uh, and then talk to you. And I just gave my mom the biggest hug in the world. And I said, thank you so much for not bringing that to light. And, and I can't even imagine like how much they must have argued about whether to tell me or not. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so thankful that they didn't. And I looked at my mom and I said, mom, are you happy? She said, yes. I said, then I am happy and I'm okay. And then I went and saw my dad a couple of days later. He, he, he was in the process of relocating down to Florida. So I go to see my dad and I walked in and I said, look, I talked to your, I talked to mom. He said, I know. I said, look, I, are you happy? Yeah. Great. I love you. And I appreciate that you didn't bring it to light when I was in country uh, over in Iraq. Thank you. And it must've been hard, but I, I just want to make sure you're both happy. And if you are, then I am happy and I'm good. And Jay, I never looked back. Awesome. Um, my parents, my parents are friendly to come to family events. Like, cordial all good they're both happy they're both like remarried and like it just it was i'm very blessed for having to um have been able to accept that at a very high level but then also see my parents both individually go on to be happy and be cordial at anything that we all do together Love it. That's awesome. You don't get to hear that very often. You know what I mean? It's it's usually the exact opposite of that in which, you know, the parents aren't talking, there's divide within the within the family and things like that. So I mean to hear that again, it's uh it's unfortunate that they, you know, they split up. But to your point, I mean, we all deserve to be happy in life. And and we find different happiness at different stages of our lives. And so uh, man, why not? Right. I mean, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'm encouraging, you know, the breakup of marriages and things, but that being said, um, you also do deserve it to yourself and to the other individual to be happy for, you know, the rest of this time we have remaining on earth. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And as I've reflected on everything that I've been through in my life, I've never second guessed that that's always been consistently. Okay good and my parents delivered on their end and uh, very thankful for it so i kind of get hit with that and 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 i'm like all right so i have my son see my family head back up to base pack my stuff leave and uh i made a decision to to start down in florida better weather i'm young i don't have too much going on i got kind of freedom of choice of where i can go right now so i blitz down to florida I can't drive down the road without soaking in sweat. Um, my heartbeat is through the roof at every red light because I just came from a place where I don't stop any at any red lights. Mm-hmm. In Iraq, you just drive right through. You drive through, drive through, drive through. So I end up um, not being able to drive on the road. Uh, if it was a two-lane road, I would drive in the middle, and if a car came up on me, I'd move over, let them go by, and go back to the middle because I was afraid that debris on the side of the road was going to blow up. Um, Forget about trying to sit next to a bus or a truck. 
because immediately in my head, this the bus is going to blow up. Like, and I'm on I-95 in South Florida, like, or wherever I'm at, like, and so I came back and I'm like, this, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm having a hard time driving around anywhere. I am not sleeping at night. I'm sweating. And even if I do fall asleep, I am having flashbacks where I'm, I'm, like in the desert, like I'm back in in the desert in Iraq, and I'm I'm soaking. I wake up soaking, and I wake up screaming, and um, and so like these kind of standard symptoms of combat veteran, you know, PTSD. Uh, I'm checking like all these boxes, Shay, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going on. So then. Uh, you know, I start to drink a little more. I'm like, oh, I like drinking more than I normally do. And now I'm starting to get into physical fights. So I'm getting into fights and I'm actually, I feel good when I'm getting in the fight, whether I win or lose. I just, I feel good. Like, I'm like, no, I don't mind. I, I would, I was so out of my mind that I say, I would say to my friends and to other people around me, I would be like, yeah, I just, I don't care. It, it, I like getting hit. Like, it's it's awesome. And like, I've never been that person. I'm not this, like, mm-hmm. that's not who I am. And, I, and then, of course, I get into a fight and I get arrested and get in trouble. So I become the, the, the statistic, the high upper 80s percent of combat vets who come back and get arrested and get in trouble. So I become the statistic and I'm like, Oh man. So, uh, I end up, uh, not, I didn't have to go to jail or anything and nothing happened. It was, it was all good. I, I end up just having to do a little bit of probation and, and I, I do it perfectly. I'm good. And then I'm like really looking in the mirror at myself and like, what's going on? And like, who am I? Mm-hmm. And like, where am I going? So I completely lost my sense of purpose. So the sense of purpose we talked about earlier, where like the, the, the tank inside of us is filled up so much and it's, it's just overwhelmingly beautiful because you've got a mission, you've got focus and society and your network, your friends are all thanking you. It's not that everybody wasn't thanking me. It's just, I wasn't, I wasn't a soldier anymore. Mm -hmm. So, I was always a veteran, but I wasn't a soldier anymore. And there's a difference there. And so I lost myself and I lost my sense of purpose. And my transition was rough. It was rough. And I went to the VA in West Palm Beach, sat with a social worker. And in about 10 minutes, she asked me about a bunch of questions. She's like, you have PTSD. What is that? Like, what, are you, what are you talking about? And I left, and they scheduled me for groups. For groups, they wanted me to go to like X amount of groups. It was something around twelve groups. It was like once a week. So I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll go to the first one. I go to the first one, sit in there, 
And I have a massive disconnect from the entire group because 90% of the group, there was only one other guy I remember being um, Iraq or Afghanistan and everyone else is Vietnam. And I can't, I can't, I can't connect. I can't relate. I can't connect. And although we're veteran to veteran, there's a significant difference between Vietnam veterans, their generation, their life, and the war they fought in versus Iraq, Afghanistan veterans. I, I genuinely feel that and, and believe that. And so I couldn't, I couldn't connect. So I ended up just not going back. And I remember I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I don't, I don't know what's going on, man, but like, I need help. Like I need to talk to someone or this or that. So he and I met and we ended up just calling anybody we could and asking who knew a, a therapist who might work with or does work with uh, veterans. And we got this referral and I went and seen this, uh, this gal and she was great. And she said, I, I want to have you do um, EMDR, which is a form of trauma treatment. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay. So basically you, you watch either lights go left and right in front of you, or you, they tap you like on left and right of your, 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 your arms or wherever. And basically what they're doing is they're getting your eyes to move left and right, left and right, left and right. And what we do as humans, we store brain cells from traumatic events and they become a little, like a little, a little army, if you would. Right. Mm -hmm. And they store themselves and they hold the traumatic memories and the traumas that we've gone through. And so what EMDR is designed to do is one of many trauma techniques, but this is the one that was very effective for me and for many others. It basically took those cluster of brain cells that surround and, mem and remember that trauma. And because my eyes are moving back and forth, I'm talking to the therapist and I'm explaining to her that trauma and the brain cells are then scattering across my brain and they're getting lost. So they're not clustered together anymore. And then they become weak because they're by themselves. And then if you do positive affirmation work and you do other tools and techniques that are healthy and better for you, you can eventually reroute those cells to be healthy cells within your brain. Hmm. And that's how you break what's called a negative cycle. Interesting. So, yeah, not to get too technical, but basically trauma clusters brain cells, and then there's modalities to break that cluster up, throw those cells across your brain all over the place, and then what you put in from there is what they will turn into because they're weaker by themselves. They're stronger when they're together. So the trauma that I had about, you know, getting blown up and I got thrown across into a guardrail and got woke up by my sergeant. And then we raided a town, but I couldn't hear for up to 10 minutes and thought I was deaf. I had to work through that trauma and take those cells, spread them out, clear them out, and then do healthy activities and exercises and treatment modalities to reroute those cells. Hmm. And and in doing so, so, did you did you also get to um, help yourself from the early childhood trauma with your friend losing your friend and stuff? Yeah. So gr gr great 
great point. So what ended up happening was I had to peel off what I would call the, the quote unquote obvious layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, war, getting blown up, your friends dying, like all other things that I experienced in Iraq. I, those were like the surf, what I call the surface. Mm-hmm. We got to address them and they're hard to address. And they're, they're, oh man, they're tough enough, but they're not the end all. And to your question, Jay, you're spot on. After I did the first layer, that surface, that initial, mm-hmm. and I got through some tough things with that, then you start digging even further. And that's when you start bringing out and you do what's called the inner child work, right? What does my childhood deem as traumatic? And so, yes, I had to step even further and further and further and deeper. And what you're doing is you're digging out, you're rerouting those cells, you're creating a clean foundation within yourself and ultimately finding yourself. And then you have an opportunity on a clean slate, that foundation you've built, you have the opportunity to then build upon and become your true self. But you can't do that until you do the healthy release of diving all the way through anything that you have gone through in your life that is deemed traumatic. And and wouldn't you also agree that you have to want the help? Um, I mean, a lot of these veterans, you know, that I call it some lip service, you know, where they all say, oh, I want help, I want help, I want help. But then when it comes time to do the work that it takes, and and that's got to be hard. I'm not going to lie, man. It's got to be hard. Um, you got to be able to want to really heal, um, yourself. And so, uh, you had mentioned alcohol earlier and, you know, alcohol and drugs and those types of things, those are just coping mechanisms, right? Those are the things that for a very Mm -hmm. short, small period of of your life, allow you to feel a little bit better until the next day. Right. And, and so it's so important that, you know, that I don't, anybody dealing with trauma realizes that, um, no one can help you unless you're willing to help yourself. Would you agree with that? Right. I completely agree with it. So you're you're spot on. Look, I always say to guys when we've all, like <laughs> veterans, we all took the, the act of faith and we walked into the unknown multiple times from when we went to boot camp to when we went to war and we went on that mission. You've already done all this. Why won't you do it for yourself now? Mm-hmm. Why will you not? step into the unknown of who you actually are and that 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 type of sentence or that type of feeling or emotion that i've sent to them makes them realize holy shit i've i've done all this stuff before mm-hmm. i've done these things before i'm so sorry Chris, but no it's okay. you know so i'm like you know these guys like when when they're when, when they when they call us now for help with for freedom and 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 we'll, we'll segue into that mission but but Staying on this transition from the military, we are terrified of ourselves generally as human beings. I would argue that all day. But I say to a veteran all day long, like, you've already gone through so much. Why do you not love yourself to do it for yourself? Mm-hmm. And that that fires me up. Like that gets me motivated because for some reason I have this ability to speak and and offer that moment of truth to a veteran and then they're like all right let's let's figure this out and then boom we're, we're helping folks but 
this transition it's tough it's there's so much complexity to it it's not just what you experience in the war it's it's goes past that jay to your point about the things that have happened in that individual's life and and everything from when they were a child and so i would say two things to any anybody one the definition of trauma is perception mm-hmm. so let's say jay you and i go out and we go to lunch and we get into the car and we we, we hit a little bump and uh we, we we fender bender someone but everybody's okay you get out of the car and you're like oh man all right i'm okay it's good and i get out of the car and go oh my gosh i can't get in any car ever again mm-hmm. that's just my perception of a trauma yeah and your perception was different so everything that happens to us is our perception and if we deem it a trauma or not now, i'm not saying there's some obvious things that are trauma right 9 11 sure. immediate trauma for all americans mm-hmm. you immediately when you hear the word 9 11 you have a flash in your brain most times of the towers yep well why why is that because it was a traumatic event and your perception of that and all the things so you you have associated with that so now on a micro level go to your individual self, everything you perceive is how you perceive it. Whether it's good, it's bad, it's indifferent, it's upside down, it's this, it's that. Oh, it's traumatic. So first you have to decide that, okay, trauma is a perception. So how am I perceiving anything that I'm struggling with? And then the second thing that we really push and I push and I've learned is, is that being a combat veteran, I'm told I'm tough. I'm told I'm this. I am this and I rah, rah, and ego and brash and strong and all this stuff. And I've been blown up and rah, 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 stop, mm-hmm. stop. What we, what we, our second point is vulnerability equals bravery. Love it. If you are able as a man, not just a combat vet, not just a veteran, not any, I'm talking about men, females, everybody as a human, if you can stand there and take that gut punch emotionally, then you have done the work. Mm-hmm. Like you have done the work to build yourself up, to have the fortitude and the strength to love yourself. And that is a different type of war. Mm-hmm. And so the transition is very difficult. I struggled with it. I did it all. I, 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 I got arrested. I fought. I drank too much. I, I did all. I didn't do any drugs. Thank gosh, it's never, never for me, but so many veterans do it. Mm-hmm. And then they start to resent the, uh, the VA for giving it to them. And I said, well, hold on. Like, yeah, we can talk about that. And that can be a problem. And, and, and there's some things over there that at the VA that, that probably have to be updated or adjusted. And, and, uh, but what are you doing for yourself? Like, let's take some ownership here. Right. Yeah. And and you you bring up a really good point regarding the VA and that's, you know, obviously many of the veterans that that I get to interview talk about, you know, I I actually interviewed a female veteran who was on uh, at one point, 12 different pills or medications from the VA. And it's like, you know, they go in there and they have PTS and they say, okay, you have PTS. Well, how am I going to cope with this? Well, take this pill. Well, then you take that pill and there's a side effect. Well, you need this to take, you know, to, to take that side effect away. So then you start adding all these things up. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, it seems like sometimes, I don't know if, if the VA therapists know how to deal with 
PTS as a whole. And so therefore right. it's easier to throw some more medication at it and, and let this veteran drool on themselves until something else kills them. Right. And it's, it's sad. Right. I mean, those sad. are the things where we need to communicate with those veterans that are in that situation and let them know that you don't, that's not the answer. Number one. And for two, there are, are organizations out there um, like Fort Freedom who will help you with that. And like Operation Healing Heroes. And, and we want to right. help with that. Um, and there is, a path yep. of hope um and just you just yep. got to let us you know show it to you that's all right and look i gotta give credit where credit's due i went up um in uh october of last year so just a few months back and i live in the state of florida fort freedom's in the state of florida and um uh, drove up to tallahassee and i took a meeting with the um the chief of staff for the va state secretary and I sat with them and their team, and they were so gracious and kind. They were unbelievable. They they sat with me for over an hour, and and we just talked. And they said the most beautiful thing that I uh, relevant to what we're talking about, Jay. Mm -hmm. They said to me, "We're not great, and we acknowledge that we're not great or doing great at mental health care for veterans. Mm -hmm. We acknowledge it." And we are now going to more than ever lean on nonprofit and private providers and inform the VA system here in the state of Florida for, for us to be able to get this thing right. Because at the end of the day, it's about the veterans. Mm -hmm. And I was like, music to my ears, guys. Like, I, I don't want to call your dog ugly, but your, your dog is ugly. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to insult you all. You're working passionately. And I, I, my thing is, I don't think that anybody that's working at the VA is a, is a bad person. I don't think that. I think that mental health and behavioral health and substance abuse are difficult mm -hmm. to treat. Very difficult. So I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying the reality of the situation is, is that it's really hard. Post-military, I've worked in behavioral health for 17 years. I have I have seen a lot, and I know how difficult it is. It is very, very, very difficult to treat. Mm -hmm. The VA is phenomenal at uh, war injuries, surgeries, shoulders, knees, this, that. They're phenomenal. They're amazing. When it comes to this side, to the behavioral health and substance abuse side, and, and the mental health, the anxieties, the depressions, that's where... It's really tough to treat, and infrastructurally, they're not equipped for it. Yep. They're ramping up certain things, and I love that. I love to see that progress, not perfection, progress. I can live in a progress world all day. But it, it's I, the acknowledgement that they took, the ownership that they took in this meeting I went to was beautiful. It was beautiful, and I credit them. Well, it's good to hear because there's no one size fits all, right? I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation. No trauma is the same. No one size fits all for treatment trauma. So, I mean, to, to hear you say that that's is, right. is music to my ears, too. I mean, it's important. So, I mean, right. it's, and, Look, and that's probably why you, you started Fort Freedom, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it was I was fortunate to be in a position where I knew what to do for the most part. And what I, what I mean by that is 
I knew who to put together around a veteran that would be impactful from one of four places, spiritual, emotional, physical, and mental. Awesome. So let, let's talk more about Fort Freedom. I'm going to take a quick break. Um, and then when we come back, yep. if you don't mind, can we dive deep into Fort Freedom and who it is and what they uh, what it has to accomplish? Um, I think it's yeah, it's important absolutely. that veterans understand there there are nonprofits like uh, like ours out there that want to help uh, with not only the veterans, but any family members that are struggling with post-traumatic stress. And so yes. uh, let me just take a quick break. And as soon as we come back, uh, we'll go ahead and dive deeper into that. This week's Veterans Resource Nonprofit of the Week is the Alan J. Lynch Medal of Honor Veterans Foundation. We partner with veteran-friendly organizations to provide assistance and relief to veterans of the United States Armed Forces and their immediate family members. Visit www.ajlynchfoundation.org for more information. And welcome back. We're talking to Jerry. And uh, Jerry, again, thanks for sharing all this information with us, um, again, I keep going back to, I, I just think it's so important that we uh, let these veterans know that they're not alone out there and that there is, uh, there is hope. There is organizations that want to help you. And uh, there's not costs that necessarily have to be associated with that stuff, right? So, I mean, uh, you started right. Fort Freedom, um, and, and I want to hear more about that, and I want to understand exactly how you're doing it, what you're doing, and uh, and of course, share with the, the listeners how they can get involved and how they might be able to uh, see the benefits from it. Sure. Uh, so, Jay, I, I sat and had a white piece of paper on a desk in about halfway through 2018, and I put a V in the middle of it for veteran, just put a V, and I said, all right, if, I, if, if of all the things that I've put myself through to, to, to continue to get healthy and, 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 and keep working on myself specific to, to my, my, my veteran experience, my combat experience, being a soldier, so forth and so on. And I started writing down the, the, my, like the top things that I did and, and that were really impactful uh, to me. And, and, and so I wrote down, you know, um, Oh, well, there's Dr. Keller. And so that was the doctor of psychology. I was like, oh, she's, oh, she's instrumental. Oh, gotta, gotta talk to her. And then I said, oh, there's Sophie. Sophie is a master's level spirituality counselor. And I, I said, I, I gotta talk to her because if I can get a doctor of psychology and a master's level spirituality counselor, I get kind of the best of both worlds to get the, get that, get those two. And if I can, could put that that would be really helpful for veterans and what else would, it, would we need and what else would it, what else would it be and so i listed out this whole services and i pulled back from the piece of paper and i was like whoa and i froze for a second i was like that's a program because I, i've worked in behavioral health and, and mental health helping to build programs throughout the country that was a, it was a job that i got post-military and and I, I understood it and I was like, whoa, okay. So in 2019, filed for the 501c3, established the name as Fort Freedom. By the way, I don't know if you know this, Jay, but the, the name of Fort Freedom, we have forts all over the world. This is the one that will set you free. Very cool. And so our mission is to set veterans free from the traumas, the suicidal thoughts, 
and the frustrations and worries and concerns, the failure to transition and give you a renewed sense of purpose. Love so it. that's what we launched. Yeah, we launched it. We, it was interesting. I had to take uh, a few guys through what we'll call proof of concept. All right. So who did I call? Well, call my buddies I serve with. Right. Hey, how you doing? Not great. Okay. Why don't you come try this? I have no idea if it's going to work, but try it <laughs> just because we're, we're brothers and it's not going to be bad for you. I know that, but it, it, it might just, it might just help. Right. And so we talked through, explained as best I could what they were going to experience. And they came. And they did it. And they loved it. And they were like, how do we get this to other people? I said, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get it to other folks. So then we called a couple more guys that we knew from our network or guys that knew those guys. And so we ran, ran folks through and then boom, COVID hits. Hmm. Oh. Oh, oh my gosh. We have a COVID outbreak at the house. There's policy. I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Like the campus. Oh my gosh. And so I'm like, what are we going to do? No one's doing anything. No one's, I can't raise any money. We're going we're gonna to have to close this. I'm going to close my passion project. The, 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 this thing that just started mm-hmm. birthing itself. And uh, so I made a couple of calls to some folks that were supportive in the beginning. I said, look, I, we are, we are stuck. We are, we are not okay from a donor standpoint and we need seed money because this works. Mm-hmm. And like, we need like the actual seed money to really launch it. Like we've done the proof of concept. We've raised a little bit of money, but we need this. And, you know, one of my, Dear friends came in and and he provided us. He's like, I got you guys. You're good. Go. I see what you're doing. I understand it. I know what you're doing. You're going to kill it. Ford Freedom's going to kill it. I've got you guys. That's and awesome. he backed, he backed that word. And I am eternally grateful for that. And the Ford Freedom team is. And so we, uh, you know, a blessing came through. And so, as soon as that happened, we had the funding we needed for about a year to really turn it in, turn it up, and get it solvent. And we did that. And we took care of guys. We moved our campus from a smaller campus we were on to a, um, uh, a little bit of a bigger one. We moved out to a quieter area where it's a peaceful and provides serene and comfort and things that really match what we do because for freedom brings veterans for 12 weeks Hmm. and we're the only one that we know there might be other folks out there but we can't find them so i think we're one of the only or the only 12 week veteran no cost program no cost for them that's amazing and so it's pretty cool so here's some barriers that came up though Jerry, I, I can't come there. Well, why? And I, I try to go through, like, you're struggling. You're this, you're that. Like, don't you love yourself? Like, we got to, what are you talking about? No, no, like, I, I'm going to do it, but I can't leave my job and my, my wife and my kids yep. with the, all the bills and everything. I said, okay, no problem. 
called our general counsel. I said, I, we need a we need a subsidized program. I need to be able to offer to help help veterans who who might need financial help. Now, most of the guys don't. They're okay. They're, they have their benefits in place and they come and they're okay. But certain guys qualify. And when they qualify, we subsidize for them. So we, 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 you can go up to, um, for, the, for, the, for the subsidized program, you can go up to car, uh, car payment, uh, rent or mortgage, electric and water. Wow. And so we amazing. help offset. It's cool, right? Because we, the last thing that we want is for any veteran to have an excuse. Don't have an excuse to not better yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't have it. We will help you in every single way we can, as long as you are willing to get here and get what you need to get done for yourself, then for your family, and for your life. And that is, that's what we do. And and so this twelve week program is built on that doctor of psychology and that master's level spirituality counselor. And then all the services drop in and it's been fantastic. I mean, 2022 was an amazing year for us. We ended up netting a partnership with uh, Campbell soup. Huge. Love it. That's huge. Huge. The the CEO is an army West point grad. That's amazing. It's great what we're to hear. Doing. You know, we, same thing with us. We, you know, we have great clips as our as our primary supporter, and we could yeah. not. I wouldn't be here today doing this show if it weren't for them. I mean, and it's so important that uh, you know these corporations back us. I mean. Uh, you know, we hear all the time, you're doing God's work, you're doing God's work, man. We know it. We we feel it every day. We get to see it. But, um, you know, unfortunately, I always say money's kind of the root of all evil, right? And it's one of those things, it's the necessary evil, unfortunately, when you're running a nonprofit, because we do reply, you know, solely or rely solely on on donor, you know, income. And so to hear that you guys had angel investors and then corporations, corporate partners like Campbell Soup come up and and step up and, and take care of you. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's a, it's about humans helping humans at the end of the day. And, uh, <laughs> I, I love that. I love Absolutely. hearing about that. Absolutely. And, uh, so thank you for sharing that. Um, how, how many veterans participate in, in your program at one time? Is this, is this like a, a set date where you, you show up on a certain day and you go for 12 weeks? Uh, how, how does that work? Yeah. Good, good question. So we are very small on purpose. So we only have four beds. So we're not, we're not sitting around, you know, saying we're, we're taking care of hundreds and hundreds of people we're, for our campus program and the 12 week, you, we have four beds now in the future and in the vision of where we'd like to go, we have, a, we have a plan and a campaign will launch and will run to, to grow. But in the current program, four beds, 12, 12 week each. They come in on all different days. We we graduate out on Saturdays and we admit on Sunday. And we bring everything they need. So when you're this intimate and individualized, let me give you a story. We had a guy come in and his teeth were just really messed up. And we knew it was causing massive insecurity for him. And he, he was doing all the work and he was he killed this program. He was oh, he's finding himself all this stuff but he wouldn't smile. Hmm. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So we made a call. Hey, 
dentist's friend, you know, uh, gal that works for our team, Chelsea, she's our development officer. She said, I know this dentist. I'll call him and see if we can't get a, a one-off done for him. Dentist's like, send him over right now. New, brand new teeth, brand new mouth. Awesome. Done. Because we're never asking home, folks. Right? Oh, the confidence is through the roof. Wow. Through the roof. And it, it, was, it was, he worked. He, he, he did it. Like, uh-huh. and, and that's what's beautiful about this. But I said, you know, I've always said, look, look, Fork Freedom can't just treat four guys at a time. We got we to gotta be able to do more. So then we brought in a master's level social worker who I've worked with before. He's our program director now. His name's Glenn. Phenomenal. Like, uh, unbelievable. He comes in. I said, look, I want you to run, make sure the guys that are on campus are always good to go. It's up them. You're, you're skilled. You, you know what to do. Make sure everything's moving along for them and their families. And then I want us to launch, please, a 12-week curriculum virtually for male veterans, for female veterans, and for the family members of those diagnosed post-traumatic stress. And so, or post-traumatic syndrome, right? So I'm like, all right, let's, let's build this. So he builds the curriculums, and we launched it in June of last year. And we currently have 12 folks enrolled in it right now. And we have a, a second therapist on standby so as we grow it, we can take up to 70 virtual patients right now. Wow, that's amazing. So we built it up and we laid out the curriculum. So now 2023, we want to have at least 70 folks go through. Again, no cost. Mm-hmm. 12 weeks, once a week. Well, the curriculums are different. So, you know, a, a female veteran experience in the military is significantly different than a male veteran experience. So you have to, you had to you, we had to do the homework, we had to do the research, and, and that's where Glenn came in, and he really he just built these out. But the interesting one to me is the family. So that one is a little bit about what they're struggling with, but mostly about education on what it's like to live with a combat veteran or a veteran um, and the things and the, 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 the education that we provide for those family members is it's amazing because think about a guy who comes to our campus for 12 weeks. He's changing his whole life. Mm-hmm. And then what well, we're going to send him back to his wife and his children who have really not any idea that he went, and did 12 weeks of work and then came back. Are we not going to educate them, inform them, keep them up to speed? That's, that's uh, you know, the old saying, like, I took you out of the dirty water, I cleaned you up, and then I put you back in the dirty water. Mm-hmm. To no fault of anybody else, it's just, it, you know, environments can only be changed if we educate and we inform everybody in that said environment. And so wanted to make sure that we had a really strong family education and family therapy modalities so that the family member and the veteran are getting healthy together and they're informed all ford freedom is is education we give tools and techniques and modalities that they can take with them forever so they can live a happier healthier life 
That's awesome. And it's all done it's free really? of charge uh, as a nonprofit, to mm -hmm. your point. Yeah, everything. Everything's covered. Love it. So, so. it's just no no excuses. That's what I'm saying. No excuses. You, you have no reason not to come here and better yourself. So anyone who's listening who wants to get in contact with you, um, how do they get in, in contact with Fort Freedom? Yeah, I mean, the website is just it's very easy. So it's uh, my, M-Y, Fort, F-O-R-T, Freedom, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, dot org. So myfortfreedom.org. Excellent. Let's, is there a qualification process that they have to go through or something they have to fill out? To Yeah, so what I would say is, immediately jump in and do a call with Glenn and then Glenn will probably quickly have you do a virtual session with him. And then if you are um, looking for the, the on-campus 12 week on-campus experience, then there is a process that you will go through with Glenn and with the team at Fort Freedom uh, to become accepted. And then you'll be notified of the day that you're, you're, uh, and uh, acceptance day is. So uh, the process is, is pretty stringent, mm -hmm. but it's because we wanna make sure that you get everything you need out of it. And so uh, that's crucial. But if you want immediate access to care right now, you just gotta reach out to, to Fort Freedom and you can enroll immediately into virtual service. Cool. Like, Cause we have capacity right now. so. That's a, it's kind of a, a, an odd thing for us. We don't usually have capacity, but we've built it and we're, we're ready. So now it's like if, if you are a family member of or you're an individual, just call us and don't hesitate to call us. Like, I don't know them. I can't call them. Right. That is the wrong thinking. Like, we are in this to answer that phone, understand what's going on, and provide immediate assistance as best we can. And Jay, the last thing we did too is like, let's say that ultimately you, you're not a fit for us for any reason. It just happens to be the particulars don't line up. We have 49 audited other nonprofit organizations that we have access to to find solutions for whatever you might need. Awesome. And we also work with Mission United, who is the veteran arm of United Way. So United Way came to us and they audited Fort Freedom last year and said, you guys are great. This is wonderful. You're in our network. So we're going to, you know, we're going to have veterans contacting you when they meet for your service as well. So say all that because you really, if you're a stronger veteran, you have no reason not to call us. Right. We will. We will fight and claw to find you anything that you might need. I love and it. so then it's just up to you to do it. So the 12 week program, is it for male veterans only female veterans? It doesn't matter. Right now, the 12 week on campus is male only. Okay. And we have intent. We have intent in the expansion to offer a female curriculum on campus. So for now, female is currently virtual only and we have we're hoping we can <laughs> we can keep on raising that money and and uh finding opportunities to expand the on-campus experiences perfect so again it's uh www.myfortfreedom.org m-y-f-o-r-t-f-r-e-e-d-o-m.org 
Um, man, I, I just want to say thanks so much, Jerry, for sharing your story. Um, you know, yeah. PTS is very, very real. Um, and, and so we need to make sure that we're addressing it with our veterans. But before we go, I just wanted to find out, are there any, any parting words, uh, anything, you know, that you'd like to say to any family members or veterans <laughs> that are listening that are, you know, maybe on the fence, they, they've got PTS, they know they have it. Maybe they want to admit it, don't want to admit it, whatever it might be. But, uh, what would you like to say to, to any of the people out there listening? You've done enough already to be able to make a simple phone call. Mm-hmm. And that is what I would say. Like, you've already done enough. So what are you afraid of now? Like, really? You've, you've already gone to boot camp. You've already gone and done things in your life where you were afraid or it was the unknown and this and that. So what does it hurt to call and get connected to a group of people who are like-minded in most cases and will will get you into a network of other people like that. I just, Mm -hmm. to me, the hesitation doesn't make any sense anymore. And so if you're on the fence or you do want to call or you do want to talk or whatever, just give us a call. We're going to, we're dedicated to problem solving and then integrating you into a network. Like our alumni group is so strong and any of those guys would get on the phone with anybody to talk about anything that's going on with them. So there's no reason to hesitate. That's what I would leave it with. Yeah. And you've removed the element of, of financial burden. So, I mean, a lot of people will say, yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, I, I don't know if I can afford it. Well, it's a free program. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you've yeah. also eliminated uh, the same thing. Like you had just mentioned as far as, you know, okay, it's great, but I can't get into a program that long where I'm going to be away from whatever work or family and, and that type of thing. And we get that, we understand it, but you, you know, you and I, uh, probably share the same thoughts as it relates to, is there anything, can you put any price tag on your mental health and on the rest of your life? I mean, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is, you know, what is the price that you're willing to pay to make tomorrow better than today for yourself, for your family members, for your loved ones, for your friends, um, you know, you name it. Right. I agree. Yeah. It's fantastic, man. I appreciate all the work you're doing. It's, it's really cool. And, Thank you for providing me the opportunity to have just this, just a platform for sharing. And and it's not about me. It's about Fort Freedom. It's about the veterans and, and happy to share my story. And thank you for listening and asking good questions. But really it's, you know, this, these, these programs that we, we, we have and we've built and, and, and the team is built and uh, that, that should go on and until the mission is complete. And so I just to thank you very much. Yeah. Amen to that. And thank you for, for being on the show today, Jerry, and sharing your story. It's a, a miraculous one. Um, I'm really proud of the work that you've done, not only defending our country, but also <laughs> the work that you continue to do, uh, you know, now that you're out of the military and continuing to help other veterans and their family members, it's uh, very admirable. So again, thank you so much. Cool. Thanks, Jay. All right. Well, uh, we know life's a journey and uh, sometimes it can be a struggle. Just understand there's always something or someone or somebody out there, an organization that wants to help you out. Uh, PTS is a it's real. Uh, it's a silent killer, but there are ways of, of healing. Um, if you'd like more information about today's podcast, please visit our website, OperationHealingHeroes.org. Uh, please be sure to check out 
uh, myfortfreedom.org for more information uh, on another great organization that absolutely helps our veterans. And uh, until next week, when we feature another veteran and tell their story, uh, thank you for tuning in. This week's Veterans Resource Nonprofit of the Week is the Alan J. Lynch Medal of Honor Veterans Foundation. We partner with veteran-friendly organizations to provide assistance and relief to veterans of the United States Armed Forces and their immediate family members. Visit www.ajlynchfoundation.org for more information. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Sure Microphones the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.sure.com and buy Great Clips, the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Great Clips, it's gonna be great.